Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Pods episode two starts now. You've survived this long into the apocalypse and you've made it back to our show for another breakdown and discussion of The Last of Us. I'm Entertainment Tonight's Ash Carlson and I'm ready for another big breakdown. No pun intended. Pun intended. Yes, breakdown is the perfect word to describe talking about The Last of Us, isn't it? Uh, I'm comicbook.com's Brandon Davis and I will request that you please leave us a five-star review uh, on our Last of Pods podcast landing pages on whatever major podcast platform you are listening to us on. If you have a question for Ash or myself, drop it in that five-star review. And on next week's show, we will read your question and do our best to answer it. Yes. And thank you so much to uh, Nick from Bayside for warming my emo heart and being our first five-star review on Spotify. That just took me back. I love it so much. Um, and thank you to everyone who made last week such a success. I know y'all loved the Gabriel Luna interview. It was awesome. We're having so much fun with this. We have so much more to come. We have eight episodes left, including today's. And there's only seven more episodes of The Last of Us. So, Oh, did you just tease a bonus episode of The Last of Us? Did I just pick something up there? And by the way, if you're watching this on video and you're like, why is Ash in full glam right now? I do have a carpet later. So I just want to say um, I don't look like this. <laughs> you roll out of bed like that, Ash. Don't lie to the people. We're oh. going to get into The Last of Us episode two now. Reactions first, comparisons to the game and how they went in the game, like versus episode two of The Last of Us, which we've all now seen, I'm assuming, if you're listening or watching the podcast. And then at the end of the episode, we will talk about what's coming next according to the games. So that is the major spoiler section. If you don't want to know what happens in the games, we will give you a clear warning so you can jump out. And on that note, reactions first. Let's get started. Ash, what did you think of The Last of Us episode two? I love this episode. I mean, if we're going right into like comparisons of the game, we are in a stage of the game where you're kind of getting a tutorial section, but then you get into the test stuff and it gets really heavy. Uh, I love that they expanded on the the cordyceps and the fungi and made it even more terrifying like they did in episode one. But also, we'll get into this, but something I complained about last week, I feel like has been answered, which was I said that I didn't fully love how Tess goes out in the game controversy. And I feel like in this one, um, it's I'm vindicated. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Tess has a, a much more useful death, I'd say, uh, in, the, in the show versus the game. Not that her death in the game was meaningless, but she serves a bit more of her purpose in this one. And we'll talk about that on the show. Um, I thought I, I like this episode quite a bit. It felt like to me like a part two of the premiere. Like I, I remember back in the days of, you know, linear television broadcast, you'd get these two hour premieres and they would be what kick off the series. And this is what that felt like to me because Tess's death 
also feels like sort of an inciting incident. Like there's plenty of things being incited here. And the big one though is Joel taking Ellie across the country uh, yeah. to try to find, you know, what to do with her immunity. And Tess dying was the thing that really solidified that that's the journey Joel is about to go on. He was reluctant up until the end of this episode. So this really, to me, felt like part two of the premiere, which is, I mean, I, I think that's fine. I think that's cool. It was, it kept the momentum going at the same pace. The show does move at a breakneck pace to, to keep in line with the game as you're going to keep seeing with the coming episodes. And overall, I thought it was a good episode. My favorite part though was the opening. And that's yes. been true. I'd say in both of these episodes, my favorite things have been the things that make this apocalypse feel so real and scary and understood in the mm -hmm. lore. If you remember yeah. last week's episode started in 1968, the talk show, scientists talking about, you know, the cordyceps virus and how that fungi controls an ant and does everything it can to make it spread. This week's episode started in Jakarta. And if you remember last week, Joel was talking about Jakarta with Sarah before she perished, RIP. And that just showed us like how smart Sarah was because she knew Jakarta was not a country. And this week we're in Jakarta in an opening scene with Ibu Ratna, Dr. Ibu Ratna discovering the virus. And I thought that was so interesting. I, I agree. And also on the radio, when they're talking about Jakarta and the whole reason they talk about it, little Easter egg is they're talking about the outbreak of the virus. They're just not paying attention to what's going on on the radio and they just kind of go about their day. Um, but I think what freaks me out the most is and it's the same in the game is this is a real fungi and it re there are really like YouTube videos of it overtaking ants and things like this. And, you know, you've, hear you've heard Neil Druckmann talk about this in the past. He was like, this is kind of based on a real sort of possibility. And they just amplified it and made it even more scary. And then I also think in the era of COVID, it adds another layer of just like, who was that doctor who was like, hey, this is... This is really going to be huge. You guys need to do something about this ASAP or it's going to take over. Remember that time when half of you wanted to ignore that guy who was telling you to like take this thing seriously? Well, here we are. Here we are. Uh, and and it's, and they make the the fungi. I, I always say fungi. I don't know. I'm you with Depeche Mode right now. Um, <laughs> oh, episode one reference. I see you. Okay. Okay. Call a callback in comedy. Uh, they, they make it way scarier because it's, it's like coming out of their mouths and tentacling Ooh. and oh, it's yeah. disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I analyzed that scene with the scientists pretty thoroughly and I actually educated myself quite a bit. Take uh, us to science. Take us yeah, to science class, Brandon. Welcome to science hour on the last of pods. Uh, okay. So when she walks into that room, she says she's looking at ophiocordyceps, which there are more than 140 species of one of ophiocordyceps. By the way, there are, an estimated up to 5 million different fungi on the planet, but only several hundred of them can infect a human and even less can actually have any impact and get through our immune system and stuff. So I actually, I, I went on the National Library of Medicine and I was looking at how fungi can infect a human. And there are four conditions, according to this paper I read, that it needs to be able to survive. Any fungi needs to be able to survive in a human and successfully like infect them. One, it must be able to grow at a high temperature at or above 37 degrees Celsius, which I guess is about 98 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, for for the Americans and the, the the global community, we're getting both of them. Uh, number two, it must be able to reach the tissues. It will parasitize by penetrating uh, the host's tissue barriers or by circumventing them through small airborne cells that enter air-filled spaces of lungs and sinuses directly. Three, it must be able to digest and absorb components of human tissues. And four, it must be able to withstand the human immune system. 
So obviously now the thing, the theme of The Last of Us is that global warming caused the temperature of the world to rise and cordyceps evolved into something that could survive at the temperature of a human body and also get through those other things like eating our, you know, tissue and uh, our immune system. But that's terrifying to think about. But then I'm like, hold on a second. Wait a minute. Isn't the number one thing basically to defeat this, to give yourself a fever? Like, what if you get up to 101? Did I just solve cordyceps virus if it ever unleashes on our human species this just no this go this goes into really stupid things i say all the time which is like why don't we boil in a hot tub i don't understand why we don't get fevers in hot tubs it makes no sense to me um i don't know some scientists can help me solve this but <laughs> well there, i know that like a human body sh- is supposed to be able to regulate its temperature and I, i'm sure there are medicines that you could give to a person to give them a fever you can get them a, a a fever from med- a certain medication that has a reaction in your body. I think, I don't know. I shouldn't go any further down this hole because there's probably some doctor listening to us like, what a bunch of idiots. Like, <laughs> Dr. Reacts <laughs> to the last of pods. <laughs> You're spreading misinformation. No, I'm not. I'm just theorizing and I'm sorry if I if I made anybody actually believe anything I said. Oh no, this is- but our- yeah, the oh. uh, No, no, <laughs> we're, we're reeling it in. Uh, but that scene, I love that scene because also it sh- it really instantly expressed the severity of this fungi getting loose in the world. That doctor was like, wait a second, if there's even one person out there who has this, you got to blow up the city. You got to blow up the whole city. And, and yeah, the, so, the solution being, I there is no cure. I will not find one. You need to just kill everybody that has it. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, I want to go be with my family. And it's like, wow, this is what it would be like, huh? I like for me watching it was kind of putting myself in that world. And that was the scariest part for me. That's and been speak- the scariest part of the whole show for me. And speaks to how desperate everybody is. You know, when, when Tess gets infected, I think about my life and if my, you know, partner or whatever got infected, if you got infected, Brandon, my, my podcast co-host, I'd be like, no, you're not going anywhere. We're finding a cure. It's going to be fine. Like we're going to make it. I would not let you perish. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But if I was desperately, if I was like 100% destined to perish, just certainly put me down, please. Like it just, just don't make me become an infected who just runs amok in the world. Um, But okay. One more thing I noted, I learned the science corner is almost over. No, I love it. One other thing I learned about Ophiocordyceps is that the oldest trace of Ophiocordyceps, which was in ants at first, as far as I learned, uh, was 48 million years ago. They found like an, uh, the, the body of an ant that dated back to 48 million years ago with cordyceps that took over its body. And cordyceps grows out of the head and spreads its spores out of the head of its host. So they found an ant that had that, which tells us why the infected and why the clickers have all these things coming out of their head and why they look that way. They paid attention while they were making this show and this game. Neil Druckmann said, I went to, he went to the the school of Brandon Davis science class, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So going back to, now we go back to Joel and Ellie, we're in our, our present day. And speaking of the spores, it's interesting. We talked about this last week too, is Ellie, the whole reason that Joel says that Ellie can't be infected and kind of realizes it is because she can breathe in the spores and in this game or in the show they are non-existent sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I interviewed Craig Mays and actually back in like December, before we were even allowed to say we were doing interviews, uh, I asked him about changing things or keeping things from the game. And he himself brought up that they don't do spores. And he said, the reason they don't do spores is just because it would just be impossible to breathe. I think we talked about this a little bit on last week's episode, but yeah, yeah you just, I mean, that's true. Like imagine 
they go through the tunnel or or some something in the show with a gas mask on. They walk out, take three steps, and take the gas mask off. You'd be like, really? Like, did the spores just immediately die in the sunlight? Can you not walk out at night? Like, what happened there? So I, I think that's – I'm fine with that. I don't really need the gas mask. And like you said, I think last week, Pedro with another mask on. Just give us Pedro's face. I'm fine with it. And what they did instead was really cool. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. So- the, yeah, go ahead. Oh, are you, am I going to talk first or you talk first? No, I mean, it's it's interesting because the infected are sort of interconnected in a way where if you step on, you might have to help me here. You step on the fungus and it just alerts the rest of the infected versus making noises or them seeing you and kind of all alerting each other. It's it's interesting. Yeah, so fun, according to this, all of the fungi that like are literally physically in connection with each other can communicate which I believe is a true thing. Like I believe people in our world, and I should do more research on this. Maybe I'll come better prepared with this for next week. But I'm pretty sure there's like, scientists are now saying that like trees can talk to each other, plants talk to each other, they communicate with each other when they're all connected. And I have learned very little about that, but I have heard the like very minimal version of that theory. So I think this is kind of probably, and I imagine based on how much they research cordyceps and the effect it would have on the body and the host, that they researched this as well. I do believe that there is theory that fungi, uh, if it's connected to itself, it just kind of has a way of communicating, which is terrifying, honestly, but it means that, yeah, you step on one part of the virus in Boston. If there is a string of that fungi going all the way to the other side of Boston, I don't care, Buffalo, New York, whatever, they're all gonna be notified, which means seemingly an endless horde of infected can be summoned to your location by alerting it with that step, terrifying. Which is which happens. It does happen it in the does. in the game. It does. But we're actually going to talk. I, I want to save Tess's death. Tess's death for a little bit. I want to first talk about when they walk out into the world, uh, because it looked just like the game. Like when they're walking out into the world, that sequence when they're walking across the plank, when they kind of see the city, the green that has taken over this the 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 state house in Massachusetts. So much of that imagery felt like it was pulled out of the game. I agree. And uh, one of my favorite things too, of just about the visuals is as creepy and we know it's an apocalypse, it's beautiful. The whole world is just like magnificently beautiful. It's kind of like when, remember when COVID like started and no one was going outside and there was dolphins in the Hudson and the the water was clear. It reminds me of that. I mean, it's, 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 makes me want to visit this world just to spend a day walking the streets but actually not really because the infected would tear me up but it's like you said it does just seem really beautiful it seems so peaceful could you imagine the quiet like every i love filmmaking i've always wanted to be a filmmaker on like holidays if i'm driving through a downtown city on thanksgiving i'm always like man what a great day this would be to make an apocalypse scene because the city is so empty. I remember like I am legend was a movie that really was one of the first ones I remember that really immersed me in like the apocalypse because it had New York city, the walking dead did it with Atlanta. And there's a, there's a movie actually uh, called I am hero. It's not in English, but it has one of the best like world falling apart scenes and then sort of world building that follows it. If you're into zombie stuff and apocalypse stuff, watch I am hero it is a Japanese zombie movie. It is so, so, so good. And it is one of the best apocalypse scenes that immerses you into like the chaos of a zombie outbreak, which is what I want more of from The Last of Us. Like those are always my favorite things, like in a quiet place. I am legend, like I just mentioned, so many of these types of media, I love the end of the world scene. 
So I, if you want a good one, watch it. Because I think we all also fantasize, you know, when there's ghost towns or abandoned amusement parks or whatever, you're like, I just want to go spend a day in there. Just it's creepy. It's cool. And that's kind of what we're getting here. Except then, there's a bunch of stuff out there that's going to rip your face off. Exactly. But given the choice, there's no chance of actually going in. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, <laughs> interesting point in the story today was Ellie talking to Tess and saying she was alone when she got bit. Mm. So she was an orphan. She says she has no boyfriend looking for her. And she says that she was alone when she got bit. We're going to talk about this later in the episode during the spoilers portion, because we know based on the game, what happened when Ellie got bit. Right. So I think we'll just save that for the spoilers portion. Let's save it. Cause I do have some thoughts about what she's doing in this moment, but we'll move on for now. We'll put a pin in that. When they check into the hotel though, Ellie is adorable. I know. It's just, I, I, it's, I, you know, it's the, that, uh, the trip, like the Wonder Woman kind of baby, I don't know anything about the world situation. And I love it because she, I mean, she was born during this. So she doesn't know what anything is other than things she's read. Oh, this is a hotel. Oh, this is a car. I don't know. I don't know what these things are. What's a movie. It's, it's just. That was basically all of us on our first trip after COVID. Like I remember my first uh, time going out there. Most of my travel is for work. And I remember the, I think the first junket I traveled for was Shang-Chi and I checked into a hotel and I was like, Oh, this is what this is like. Oh my goodness. I, I think a lot of this, this show is heightened for us because of COVID and we'll probably keep mentioning it throughout the show. <laughs> Honestly, I'm so tired of talking about COVID, but like, it's impossible not to have thoughts of like, wow, this reminded me of our almost apocalypse. There is nothing worse for me than when a reality show does their COVID episode because I'm, I'm, I'm just like, okay, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm I'm over it. I don't want, I'm trying to escape. I want to watch you guys slap the hell out of each other. I'm not trying to <laughs> beat each other up and cause drama. Beat each other up. <laughs> yeah. give, me some, give me some give me some craziness. Don't remind me of the real world that actually sucks sometimes. Show me your world sucking. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, reality T. Uh, Ellie says she can't swim when they get to the hotel in a pretty funny moment. There are some laugh out loud moments in The Last of Us, especially when Ellie and Joel are talking to each other. But one oh, of yes. them comes when Joel is just like, are you kidding me? And he jumps into the water and she's like, well, how was I supposed to know that? And earlier, I also want to shout out a moment that made me laugh. Uh, when Ellie's when, when Tess says we can go the short way and probably get ourselves killed or go the long way. And Ellie's just like, well, I think the long way, given that limited information, like <laughs> yeah. shuts up and she's always comical and shout out to Bella Ramsey for doing a great job with this part. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think, you know, we see like these kids in these types of shows and they just, Oh, just be quiet and follow along. She always talks back. It's so Ellie. It's so good. Bella's killing it. Being in the apocalypse with a kid would suck though. I don't oh have, my gosh. I have a dog that I can barely take care of. Like I love my dog and she's, she's, she's my baby. I do everything to take care of her. Having a dog's a lot of responsibility puts things in perspective. What it would be like to have a human in the apocalypse. Bro, I don't. Mm. And and fighting at your every move. No, I'm not going that way. No, I'm not doing oh this. You're like, for the love of God. I'm trying to keep you alive. <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, we don't. Ellie mentioned she can't swim. We don't get a moment where Joel has to basically Titanic her onto a door. Onto yeah. A for for game purposes, for people who didn't play, the whole thing is Ellie can't swim. But it's just more of joel finding random things there's a lot of stuff in the game you got to move the dumpster you got to get the planks you got to you mm -hmm. lift each other up and so for any water scene you have to kind of get something to transport ellie across water yeah ellie can't get wet uh there speaking of the game i mean there was a moment where 
Joel like hoists uh, Tess up. He, he does the whole like put her foot in his hands and lift her up thing in this episode, which is something you do over and over again in the game too, to get yeah. to any elevated surface. There, there's uh, constant, help me up. I'm going to go see if there's a way to get in. And then something collapses and you can't get through. So you're like, okay, I'll find my own way around because it, it's a lot of the game is a puzzle and just figuring out how to get out of things. Yeah. Yeah. I, and and uh, this game, this episode particularly followed a lot of the game tropes because not only do we see the hoisting them up, Ellie can't swim, uh, but when they walk into they walk into the Bostonian Museum in this one. In the game, they walk into the it's called the Freedom Museum of Boston, uh, but they end up fighting a clicker near a whole bunch of Revolutionary War stuff, and all that is from the game. But when the scene starts in the game, the ceiling collapses near a door, and Tess and Ellie end up on one side of it, and Joel ends up separated, and then in this episode you see that same stuff collapse all three of them are together at that point but that is the ultimate video game trope when you know you're about to have a boss battle yes yes i hate that i hate when you you hear a roar there's a big collapse and you're like because I, I hate boss fights i hate them so much i wish they didn't exist i'm just trying to relax even though this game's not relaxing i know but i'm not trying to have a boss fight but in the game this is a real it's a tutorial part of how to kill a clicker so it's the part the first time that uh, I think it's the first time that Joel crafts a shiv and you learn how to craft a shiv, which is how you can kill a clicker. But then it's also Tess um, grabs a bottle and throws it to distract the clicker, which is another thing you can do in the game. You can find bricks and objects and throw them to draw the clicker away from you. Then, So then you can stealthily sneak up on him and shiv him. Everybody who played the game right now is having such fond flashbacks of these terrible moments. <laughs> yep. Because the are scary. I like, ooh. Well, one thing I wish they would put in the show is like sort of a dream sequence where Joel just gets killed over and over again trying to kill a clicker, like a Doctor Strange looking into the future and seeing every possible outcome because clickers messed me up in the game. They are so hard to kill. You have to shoot them in the head and you have such limited ammo. The, the show kind of showed how difficult it is to kill a clicker, but it is hard in the game. It is terrifying in the game because before you know it, you're tapping square and it's not fast enough and you're watching Joel's face get chewed off. And it's, it's yeah. And similarly to Tomb Raider does this too, is it shows your manner of death. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> it will show your head getting ripped in two. It is oh, yeah. brutal. <laughs> so if you're, if you're in the room and there's a clicker there in, in real, in real life, Ash, what's your weapon of choice? I, I mean, I've always been this way in video games too. So I think I would be like this in real life as I am a stealth mode gal, I'm a stealth mode girly. So I would be doing the distracting and then getting out of there. Most likely. I don't even think I'm going in for the shiv. I don't want to risk getting that close. I think I'm, I'm going to continue on. You're trying to let the clicker live. You're just trying to go unbothered. Yeah. I mean, uh, what am I doing by killing one? Really? I don't think I'm even, I'm not helping anything. <laughs> I, I, in games, I don't think I'd be this way in real life, but in games, I am just a brute. I am just smashing through as much stuff as fast as possible and then getting frustrated when I die. And then I'm blaming the game. Oh, this is bull. I killed it. I shot it. That's me. That's me on call of duty every night. That's me in the last of us. So, uh, in real life, my weapon of choice, I would say, I mean, if, a pistol's not available to put down a clicker. I mean, uh, the 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 the, um, the two by fours with the nails in them are pretty vicious in the game. Oh yeah, I forgot. There's all kinds of stuff you can use. It's so great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oof. Uh, Only a few times, then they'll break. 
<laughs> All right, let's talk. Let's talk about the the saddest part of this episode, which which was Tess. Let's talk about Tess. I know, I know you have a lot to say on this one. I do because I was really. Um, I mean, I'm not happy she's dead. I just want to. I just want to clarify that for the record. State that for the record. Um, but I really liked the way this played out because in the game version, which we're kind of looking at here, the Fedra soldiers are coming after them and trying to hunt them down. And in this one, they step on one of the cordyceps and it alerts a bunch of the infected and they're coming. Um, I, I just, I love this moment because the desperation in Tess is so key. And I also think if they got there and everybody was dead and they were like, we can't continue. And Tess wasn't infected. I think they would go back. I don't think that the, the journey would continue because she was so desperate and Joel that she was all Joel had so what is he gonna do now that's true if either I think if either one of them died the other would feel an obligation to continue this journey with Ellie now because it's just like what's what's left you go back to the QZ you're probably in a lot of trouble you killed a couple Fedra soldiers well in the show they only killed one but you go back you're in trouble I mean Marlene is out there looking for this girl fireflies are probably pretty unrelenting I think if either of them died the other continues it and fortunately for uh, Ash, Pedro Pascal survived and he gets to continue being a daddy in another universe. Being a daddy in another universe. Yeah, I mean, I know Joel's obviously wants to get out there for Tommy, but he at this point still believes that Ellie is infected or will become infected. So he's like, why are we doing this? Why am I going to continue this journey with this girl? Like, Tess, seriously, you are way smarter than this. Why are we doing this? And her, I mean, shout out, shout out to Anna Torv as well, because her play on this is so good and parallels the game really well with that you know, part where she moves her shirt to the side and says oops and shows she's infected and oh, just like the game just, just like, like the game. game i kind of feel like that this quest for tommy is kind of a flimsy mission i'm not gonna lie about it like it's so unlikely you would ever find this guy in the vast vast world let alone like in today's world if everybody lost their cell phone and there was no internet so you couldn't call anybody could you imagine trying to and there was no cars and planes and transportation and like 99% of people were gone. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't get me to fly from Boston to Wyoming, let alone walk. I'm saying it would be so, it would take months. And the idea of finding them would be so difficult that I'm, I think it's kind of a flimsy mission. And Joel wants to talk about being smart. I'm just like, Joel, you don't really even have a destination in mind. Your and, destination and is find the destination. And when they're talking about what's out there, he's not just talking about the infected and the clickers. He's talking about... The people out there are wildin'. They are nuts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, so, so so Tess is gone. This, to me, makes Joel... I mean, he's, all, he's already at zero emotionally, it seems. But even more so, I think it will emphasize his reluctance to connect with Ellie. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. His one connection that he started to form, started to break down his walls over time is now gone. Um, and yeah, it's, and also just the way I, we talked about the way she goes out. I just want to touch on that a little more because in the, the, the game version, Fedra comes in and kind of just shoots her very quickly. It's a little letdown. I'm so sorry. I keep, I, I love the game, but just that part, I hate it. Um, but in this part, she, the infected come in, she pours gasoline or oil or whatever everywhere and it's trying to light this zippo lighter and it's failing it's failing and failing and i'm like come on Tess, come on Tess. and then she makes out with an infected a little bit 
and oh. uh, and lights it up right on time and blows everything up, which is great. I love the way she goes out if she has to. My, that kiss with the infected thing was, it felt kind of like HBO being like, yeah, remember we are artsy and weird sometimes. We're still doing it here. But also was like, good. What a way to spread that virus. The roots down the throat. That was disgusting. In the game, you end up fighting the Fedra soldier anyway even after Tess yeah. tries to hold them off. And in this, she successfully kills the infected, which makes her death more impactful. Certainly it makes it more of a hero's death because she was successful in her mission than, than her counterpart in the game, which certainly tried. And that's a heroic death in itself. But I want to see more infected in this show. I have watched online episodes, so I'm not going to say anything beyond this. But to this point and throughout the series, I've wanted a lot of the infected and the clickers and a lot of that stuff. And we get them, they come, they come and they have some big moments, but I, I find that stuff very interesting. It's a huge point in the game, the infected charging you, the runners coming at you and Ellie and Joel and Tess at this point really have been spared of that. And Tess officially spared them and possibly the production from having to have a whole bunch of infected. <laughs> so I would, I, I do wonder if anything influenced that choice from a production standpoint, like, okay, actually we can't have this army of infected chasing them. We need to actually have her take them all out because we need the episode to end here or something, but I'm okay with it. It, it makes Tess's death even more powerful. I see what you're saying. I mean, I do. I also love just like the whole Lord of the flies things that have happened in the wild ever since uh, the virus, the virus took over. So I can't wait. All Should right. we, Speaking yeah. of, we can't wait. <laughs> yeah, we can't wait. We can't wait to talk about what's next. All right. This is everybody's warning. We're about to talk about what is next on the show. Not because I, we or I have, I've watched all nine. Ash has not watched all nine yet. No. Ash watched the first four, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go week by week because I want to be. Yeah, we need that. It's, it's better for our show to have somebody who's surprised each week, to be honest. Uh, but that said, we've both played the game. Yes. And. This is the part of the show where we talk about what's next in the game. I cannot overstate how impossible to unhear the things we're about to talk about are. If you want to stay immune to the spoiler virus, go ahead and pause this podcast, send it to a friend, leave a five-star review, and come back and join us next week. And feel free to listen to these next 10, 15, however long we go uh, later and see if uh, we were accurate. It's up to you. But, but yeah. thank you for listening. And if you're sticking with us, I hope you enjoy this next portion of the show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Episode three. What should we expect, Ash? What do you what do you what do you think is coming? Well, the very next beat in the game is a new character that we meet but was mentioned, and that is Bill and Frank. And if you remember in episode one, uh, Ellie is talking about the radio and the 60s, 70s, 80s code, the Depeche mode is playing. That is coming from Bill and Frank. And we know from episode one that they are in trouble. So in the game, Bill and Ellie have one of the best dynamics of the entire game because they 
hate each other, but it's hilarious. Like, it's just like, he's like, shut up, kid. And she's like, no, F you, you suck. Blah, blah, blah. And their banter is incredible. It's my favorite. Yeah, Bill is basically like a doomsday prepper who rigs this entire town with trip wires and all kinds of traps that in the game you have to find ways around. And as Joel oftentimes get murdered by <laughs> because the game is so vicious and unforgiving uh, and you're on your way to Bill's because you need things from Bill uh, and he's able to help you in the game. Frank, on the other hand, who we've seen in trailers, yes, is not able to help you in the game. Because no. Frank went off by himself earlier before Joel's arrival at Bill's little town, and he killed himself. Yes. So he was, yeah, they find Frank's body, and um, they're like, who was that? And he's like, that's Frank. That was my partner, and cuts him down. And that's kind of like all we really learn about Frank. And we know that Frank will be in the this series played by Murray Bartlett from White Lotus. And uh, and so we'll get to know more about him. Yeah. And there was a lot of discourse surrounding this uh, in Last of Us circles online where people were kind of disappointed that they didn't like they allowed Bill to be a gay character, but they never actually explored it. His partner was already dead and it kind of felt like it was undermining actually allowing a character like that some room to breathe. Next week, you get a lot. I think you're going to get a lot more of Bill and Frank than the game has offered you. Yeah, more context. And yeah, so they're go they're on their way there because Bill has a car, right? Yeah, they need they need that. They need to get to they Wyoming somehow. Car. They got to get to Wyoming somehow. So yeah, so next week's episode is the one that everybody's basically, I'm sure everybody who's been reading Last of Us Discourse online from the show has seen that this is the one that people are like circling. They're like, this is the episode that people are going to really respond to. I'll say, yeah, this is a phenomenal episode of television next week's episode. I'm not going to say anything that happens in it, but I will say it's it's a movie in itself. It's very, very good. It's very, very good. And I think there's going to be a lot of conversation about it. And uh, that will be next week's. But before we, <laughs> before we go, I want to talk about something we talked about earlier that we put a pin in, which was mm -hmm. the Ellie saying that she was infected alone. Mm-hmm. Liar. Um, you liar. See, that's the thing. I, I think she's just, I don't think it's changing anything in like the canonical thing. I think she's protecting herself kind of how um, Joel is like, don't ask me anything about myself. I don't like, don't worry about it. So I think Ellie's just like protecting herself, protecting her heart. Because obviously when Marlene even brings up our uh, Riley in episode one, you can tell how much it shakes her and how much she doesn't even want to go there. Yeah, Ellie just doesn't want to talk about the past because her past sucks. And for a lot of people, that's a coping mechanism. We're seeing it in Joel, like you just said. So in the words of Dr. Evil, we're not so different, you and I. Like <laughs> Ellie and Joel might have a couple things in common after all. I did not think we were getting a Austin Powers reference on the show. Oh, we're going to touch them all. In the, in the <laughs> here we are. Here, here we are. Uh, but yeah, so if you want to know about this from the game, uh, the DLC, which was attached to The Last of Us Part 1, it came out after the game did, uh, and the Last of Us American Dreams comic show you Riley and Ellie's relationship. Riley was basically the protector of Ellie in a lot of ways. She would defend Ellie from bullies. Uh, she left the QZ. She became a firefly. And she was with Ellie when Ellie got bit and Riley also got bit. And the two of them sat there and talked about their options. 
and they uh, ultimately one survived, and it's the one you've met. So it's going to be interesting to see if and how they bring Riley to the show. Uh, Yeah. I mean, we see in the trailer, we see her taking pictures in that photo booth, which is in the DLC and it's, Mm -hmm. uh, she's played by Storm Reed. So I I think we're going to probably get a flashback episode of that DLC. I imagine. And if you remember, Tess said in the episode, um, do you, uh, is it, do you have any parents looking for you or a boyfriend? And Ellie was just like, no, I'm an orphan. And no, that's because Riley was basically her girlfriend, like the closest thing to a girlfriend she ever had. So there's definitely no boyfriend that the content has showed us exists. Yes. So, and in, in The Last of Us 2, she does fully have a girlfriend and that is kind of fully mm, explored. Yeah. But it's not as happily ever after as one might think. Nothing in The Last of Us is, is it? I'm telling you, nothing about this story is joyful it's it's very heavy uh and the one thing i did want to touch on i didn't want to mention this earlier i had this in the notes earlier i'm glad i forgot to mention it then they when they're walking through the city in the outdoor area and they're making their way to the bostonian museum there's a tight shot of them walking and their feet go past a stuffed giraffe oh yes yeah so that is just a straight up foreshadowing right there because in the games uh just towards the end of the game in salt lake city which is where they go to I'm pretty sure it's the final city they go to in this game. Um, They encounter wild giraffes just living in the city. And it's a beautiful, beautiful moment that like you have to press a button to move past, but it's such a rare moment of joy, which we just said there are none that you want to just hold it there. You just want to stay there and and, and live in that moment as, as somebody playing the game. And uh, I think it it, it reminded me of the walking dead with the, I think it was a stuffed rabbit in the first episode with the little girl. And it shows us just how bleak the world is where there is no time for these extra happy things that get left on the road. But ultimately, those things will come and they'll proceed worse things, but they exist still. I wonder, I I just genuinely wonder what this generation would be like in Apocalypse. Like, I think we'd still be doing TikTok dances and memeing everything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, it would be, it would be... Uh, oh my! I'm like, stop! You got bit. I'm dead. <laughs> I literally, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not even going down this joke rabbit hole. I'm not touching it. That's not. Yeah, no, it would be quite an apocalypse. Uh, uh in L.A., where you are, would be especially wild. Oh, I think about what I would do all the time, and I would go down to Marina Del Rey if I had time, and steal a boat, and then just go out to sea. No, I think you would just be stuck. <laughs> There's no way I could get out. I can't even get out of the city on a normal day. So you have apocalyptic traffic pre-apocalypse. So yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, there's one place I don't want to be for the end of the world. It is Los Angeles. Yeah. I'm happy here in Nashville. I think, uh, honestly, I'm probably surrounded by a lot more doomsday preppers than you are. No, you definitely are. You definitely are. So yeah, so that that's our that's our last of pods episode too. Uh, if you guys have any questions for us, drop them in those five star reviews or tweet us. Hit me up at Brandon Davis BD, and you can hit up Ash at Ash Cross. And thank you so much for the support this week. I've been seeing lots of tweets. We got the Twitter account up over five hundred uh, followers. Woo! We share side by side videos comparing the the first episode to the early part of the game, which we'll have more of on the Twitter account this week. Um, and it's been it this has been fun. I think uh, listen, Ash, we're only getting better at this and it's episode two. I, I think be... we did I said a lot less likes. 
I'm I'm proud of myself. <laughs> but you you didn't drop one day. I had to be the daddy prompter this week. I know. You know what? I'm thinking, I'm considering retiring it, but. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then I won't bring it up again. No, no, you're it. allowed. Um, no, let you you're the daddy of the show. Recover. Oops, I can't quit it, can I? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, well, you did introduce us to Gabriel Luna as the Star Wars mommy and Marvel daddy last week. Oh, you're right. I did. <laughs> but I, listen, I'll take it. Who am I to say what I am? I, I am whatever you say I am. Yeah, let me label you. anyway all right y'all we're getting off the rails now ash any last words for the last of pods episode two oh thank you so much for being here we will see you next week to talk about a really big episode that i think you guys are gonna love so come back see you next week everybody bye